hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, as always, this is... Abe, hello, how are you? This is a night... Oh, it's not. It's a film podcast. We just get new movies and more weekly. We take it to movies with the most of our review. The occasional commentary track or some other filming topic. This is a, this is a bonus episode. Bonus. It's a bonus episode. We're, we're going to focus on uh, the new Netflix release, Wendell and Wild, from yeah. director Henry Selick and co-writer Jordan Peele. Yeah, a trailer we talked about uh, like a month ago. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to just bring some attention to this film just because it's, among many things on Netflix, being dropped um, with, you know, whatever sense of marketing you might have from it so oh you knew gosh. it happened or you didn't or maybe you were really anticipating like i was uh, but netflix marketing is just i don't know what they're doing yeah, well regardless it's out now and um, I, cert- I thank you and i certainly have thoughts on the film but that's what i want to talk about so let's uh let's get into our review for wendell and wild i know what you are cat you're a hell maiden but it has to be our secret. That's how I can protect you. Protect me from what? Your demons. Whoa! I'm having a vision! <laughs> a green-headed girl. She seems so real. Greetings. We are the magician mortician. We are teeth of the afterlife. So, as your masters, we order you to turn around and, uh... You're tripping. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Wendell and Wilde. It's been over a decade since Coraline, Henry Selleck's previous film. Uh, While originally being developed by Selleck and writer Clay Chapman, this film eventually went into production with Jordan Peele coming on as a co-writer and producer. In addition to voicing one of the title characters with his frequent collaborator, Keegan-Michael Key. The result is the story of two demons looking to spread their power in the land of the living. To do this, they'll need the help of the film's protagonist, Kay Cat Elliot, a young teen who's lost both her parents in a car accident and is now have, having trouble fitting in. Upon arrival back in her hometown, she begins to realize that she's actually capable of more than she realizes, which will be important in the struggle to help defend her own town against forces of evil, demonic or otherwise. <laughs> Abe, yes? I'm curious, what were your thoughts on Wendell and Wild? Wendell and Wild is... I think a perfectly okay movie. And I think that from the Netflix standpoint, it's a perfectly okay movie. What I think about it from a like a critical standpoint is I think that it actually is a movie that tries to do a lot. It takes a lot of we said this, or at least I was thinking this in the Halloween Ends um review that I was not on, but it takes a lot of swings uh for big things thematically uh, and character wise. And I think because of that, it does move at a pace that is maybe too quick for additional character development. Um, and so it all it ultimately just becomes like just an okay move for me. I dig that there are elements in here about, you know, uh, black and brown people, black and brown faces. Um, and it's like an entire town that is um, uh, of these residents. Um, and I also dig that there's like really, really cool stop motion animation in this movie, but I I just couldn't really get with all of it because of um, the pacing issues that they had where it was a little bit too fast and furious at times 
Um, and that kind of left me a little bit questioning of, well, what about this or what about that? Or, you know, why did this happen here? You know, like there certainly are some of those elements that I don't know if you need to explore them more, but if it was maybe centered around uh, a few of these, I think that it would have been better suited. But yeah, initial thoughts. I uh, really like this movie. I think considerably more than you. I think it does. A, I, I think it, I can agree. It's certainly trying to handle a lot, but I can't felt like I, I, I never felt like I was left in the dust when it came to the things that mattered the most to me based on what this movie's delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that. It's not just being a simple story about a girl and some demons, but it has some key themes. It wants to explore in addition to that mm-hmm. uh, revolving around, you know, black owned businesses, communities in peril for, variety of reasons prison reform of all things like there's stuff there where i'm not normally seeing in a film like this in addition to being this incredibly well animated film like i know it's you know we we we're big fans of like on this podcast we're happy yeah, that i thought stop, about those movies here we're happy that stop motion animation certainly like held its place in the realm of film over the years uh henry Selick is very good at this <laughs> um he with between nightmare for Christmas, James the Giant Peach and Coraline, like he not only is very good at like making this kind of animation work, but certainly delivering, I think, his own personal stamp on it, where I could identify this as a Henry Selick film as opposed to just another stop motion horror animated animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way he uses creepy imagery or dark macabre humor and what have you. But but like having this you know, component that's basically Peel being a co-writer and just like the vision of this movie, it's a it presents me with a lot of stuff I just don't generally get to see in these kind of movies. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of black and brown face. It's a very progressive film mm-hmm. um, in terms of the the different characters that we get to meet or what have you. I think all of that combines in a way where even if I even if I could say it's biting off more than it could chew exactly, I'm happy to acknowledge and enjoy the fact that it wants to be ambitious and wants to do more than just be a, you know, a fairly straight line story. Right. I appreciate that too. Um, I am curious, like around some of the, I don't know if there was like, do you know if there was 2d animation in this or is all stop motion? Uh, the There's... reason I'm, I'm saying this is because I really dig some elements of, or some, some more elements of some of the visuals Especially one part where they're they're traversing through the underworld back to the the uh, the living world, mm-hmm. like I don't know if this is two D animated right now. And then there's another scene where there's also, um, like it's almost like a shadow fight. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was wondering if that was two D animated, but there's like bits and pieces that rely on two D animation, just like some pieces rely on some digital tinkering, just because that's the nature of the beast at this point. That's you know how movies get made, and it's it's. It, it you know it, it, they're they're not going for like the merit badge of being 100% stop motion it's just obviously it's it. very much and i'm not saying you're saying that either but uh, yeah, yeah. but yes there there's certainly enhancements that come along through other means of animation as in addition to the stop motion animation got it uh but yeah again credit to them for doing this um there's even a sense of like scale to this too for sure uh, and i really really dug when they did that because we i think we've seen a lot of um Sort of like the same scale or something that's a little bit larger, but this one actually felt like they created something larger than uh, like some some additional character pieces. And then when you watch the credits, it's actually really cool that they did do that. Uh, but I'm thinking specifically of them going down a mountainside um, mm-hmm. and how one character seems larger, but then the mountain is there too, and then there's there's them uh, in their little carriage. Yeah, there's. Um, 
I I know what you're refer- obviously I know what you're referencing, and there's it's the kind of thing where like I know that this is a movie that wants to pride itself on you know the elaborate work involving stop motion because yeah. why not? It's it takes it you know every film takes a lot of man hours. There you know just being able to you know see like physically see the work right can it can imbue you with a different sort of feeling when it comes to this kind of thing, and so yeah. like knowing you know how this kind of thing works and seeing what's on display. It was hard for me not to be like, I can't not be impressed by right. what must be fairly large models to pull off the things that are being pulled off. Right. Here. Yeah. Uh, and I think ultimately what I'm driving at is that there's a, a uniqueness in the way that we've advanced in technology mm-hmm. to allow us to do this. Because I think the only other thing that I would bring up from the standpoint of movie making um, around this is some of the camera work is actually really, really cool. Yeah. Um, there's like one sequence where they're talking in a, a schoolroom. And the camera moves into a stairwell and shoots it through the banister. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, in, in other stop motion movies or some, some other animated movies, you don't really actually even need this. But I like that this movie went out of its way to be like, no, let's just shoot this like I would normally shoot a movie, like with, with live actors or other cases. Like, I want the camera to move this way and I want it to look like this. I want to frame it this way. And we're able to do that because it's just an open set too, you know. So it was really cool just to, the expansion of what 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 we had previously seen from these types of movies. Yeah, I I agree in that regard. There's a, there is a there's a strong directorial hand here. There's a lot of choices being made to present it a certain way. Even like the there's a lot of reliance on angles to present certain kinds of true understands where these characters are at or what they're feeling um that i appreciated the way it wants to balance the kind of the human drama that's here along with the you know supernatural elements i think works effectively mm-hmm. and the other thing i wanted to get at the, the this emotional thing like i i was made emotional by this movie i the the arc that cat goes on and what she gets to experience in this movie got to me in a way that i wasn't sure. necessarily expecting um and I mean, I appreciate it because it's like this movie's clearly working on me in a at a, at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, because it's PG thirteen for a stop motion film, um, it's not just that it took chances, but it's like it's it feels like it's more freed up to let itself linger on things that you know a a, a younger family audience might not you know, necessarily feel like they need to see or sure. is the kind of thing that you would generally see in these kind of movies. Yeah. Uh, where this movie I think does it, it has the, you know, it has the freedom to want to get darker than average when it comes to why certain things are happening. There are deaths in this movie, some unnatural, some not like that that you know, they play into the themes, but they play into they play into a certain maturity that this film wants to wants to uh, represent as opposed to just being not necessarily slight, but certainly more deliberately kid-friendly. Yeah, and so two things, one of them being the emotional aspect of things. I, I hear what you're saying. I think that's the part that didn't work as deeply for me. Um, not because of what I was not with, or not because of what I was witnessing on the screen. I think because of the structure in which they, they arrive at certain points um, and the way that they get to certain things and then just sort of like the the brevity or the brevity, the briefness of it all. Um, and that I think 
you know, I, I sort of, when you were talking there, I was thinking about Kubo and the two strings about how sure. there's not a lot of uh, parental overwatch in that movie, but when they do happen, it hits pretty hard. Um, and in this one, again, like they're, they're doing a lot of things here, which I can appreciate, but um, like, I, I don't know if I got super emotionally attached. Um, I did get emotionally tinged, but I don't know if I, I let loose any, free will tears but um uh, there's another element that you brought up there of just um what was the second thing i was going to say i lost my train of thought it might come around back around but uh, i can't remember no, right the now. supernatural or the su- oh yeah or the, the darkness of it yeah the so the darkness i actually really dug that i i'm when you said this movie there's like a warning not a warning but there's like you know um parental guidance things on the screen i was like oh there's gonna be some some heavy swearing in this movie apparently um and there actually is kind of like a scene where there is some swearing and uh, i actually i dug that they they took it to this um this dark approach uh but the super natural element of things it's it's <laughs> it, it can be dark and i found that to be fun and enjoyable especially like a scene with golf and james hong um <laughs> i was thinking to myself they're not gonna do that and they they do something but um, there's also the um, like what what you talked about earlier, the themes of this movie. Meaning, like this is predominantly a uh, you know a black and brown city town, and it has gone by the wayside. And so, how do they get things back to a prosperous nature? And that I I dug because again, it doesn't really get explored a lot in animated movies or in movies in general. What do you think about some of these characters? What do you think about? For one thing, our lead cat, yeah. and let alone our titular leads, uh, Wendell and Wild. I was curious as to like why this movie was called Wendell Wild at first, and then I was uh, I I got into it, but I think the cat was okay. Um, her arc that she goes on about forgiveness is a good arc, um, but. I I dig Wendell, Wendell and Wild. Like I'm I'm not like the biggest Key, Key and Peele fan. Like I enjoy their sketches and I enjoy their skits, um, but I couldn't recite them to you offhand, uh, even though there were like some very popular ones that I I do know the punchlines to. Um, but I also really dug like this this uh, um, trio in this movie uh, of additional uh, schoolmates that Cat has. Um, which I know that you didn't ask me about, but uh, those three, I think they they brought like this weird, like like offbeat, extra whimsical humor to this movie. Sure, and I really, really dig that. Like, you know, it it sort of reminds me of additional characters in Coraline. I was gonna say, give me Coraline vibes with the way they're used. Yeah, yeah, where it's just like, oh, this this weird town, this other world that she is in is so weird and, and whimsical. Or even in her regular town, we're talking about Coraline right now. In her regular town, like the the two women with like the Scottish terriers, you know, like they're just these these um uh they're essentially just like these uh quote unquote like alive type characters. But yeah, what you think of Cat and Wendell Wild? I, I like that the film thought has a way of expressing who she is by like 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 the second she gets to this Catholic school, she redesigns mm-hmm. her costume, she puts on these boots, she has this ghetto blaster, like <laughs> like like all these little elements. That's what it's that, called in the movie, folks. That's that, that, I I like that the that it it, it makes a very like, like very specific statements about who this person's supposed to yeah. be. Um, 
and the way that she connects with the other classmates over time. I, I like I, I like that kind of stuff. Like I thought it for, you know, it's a bit. I there's certain kind of like expectations I have when it comes to these kind of things and the way I think it has her interacting with these, you know, the other people in her school and how that changes. I felt worthwhile enough. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally with Wendell and wild. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I agree with you about Keith. Like, it's like, that's a, that's a show I enjoyed. I, mm-hmm. I'm not over the moon for it, but it's like, yeah, that's fun. Um, and I like, you know, I just like seeing them take their fun together. So you have a, you know, it's Peel is very specifically chosen not to really act anymore. He just wants to be a filmmaker, you know, good on him. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he got to like let loose a little bit with Key, uh, fun. That's fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I like that the character models looked like exaggerated versions of them. Right. <laughs> I like, <laughs> <laughs> like to say is like, oh, this is just them. I get it. Like it's it's very specifically doing that. That's that's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, like overall. I do think I appreciated that it goes the kind of Pixar route of casting people that feel right for the roles as opposed to who the biggest star is that they can find. Right. Yeah. Um, with that said, you still have like Angela Bassett and Ving Rhames in this movie, and I think they're quite good uh, mm-hmm. with, with that. Bassett in particular, I think, has I, I like the, the the sister Haley that she plays. There's mm-hmm. I like there. There's a there are reveals that take place or whatnot that the film gets into that I, I appreciated. Um so like that stuff really worked for me. And um as far as the characters go too, like we already talked about this film being very progressive. You have a you know, a, a, a trans boy. Trans in this boy, movie, yeah. Uh, which is you know not something you get in these kind of movies. Right. Uh very often, let alone a stop motion movie, uh stop an- stop motion animation movie. So it's like animation's always been pushed in the front, which I, I, I love. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing where it's handled without like any fanfare. It's just like, you know, it's just one of the characters of the movie. Like it becomes clear just by nature of how the movie is being told to you, but like it's just stuff where the movie isn't, you know, of the grand statements it needs to make. It's not one about just a person being a person. Yeah, I I really dig that too. And this is where I I kind of um, distance myself from not distance, but like you know, there, there's differences of opinion. Just like I actually really like that there are all these characters, but they're 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 all given something to do. Which kind of takes away from my central the sort the central storyline of either Wendell Wild or the cat character, because I dig that there's like a giant art piece in this movie, yeah, um, and I really like that. But I also was just like, oh, I I wish I I knew I I wish I knew more about it, you know, um, from this character that does do this. Um, and this is not to say that it needs to be an entire movie based on that, but. This is what I what I'm talking about when there are characters and there's some arcs to them, but it kind of just comes very quickly. Um, and that was, it's not a shame, it's not a bummer. It's just more of oh, I I would have liked to have seen more from this character um, and and what this is all about because because um, they actually discuss it uh, at two points in this movie. So yeah. I can um, I can see what you're saying. Like it, you know, it's a matter of you know just like it more <laughs> than the yeah, other. Yeah, But it's it's this sort of thing where because it, it I, was, I, like that scene gets resolved very quickly too. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. I I could I I guess I just I see it more as I like that there's a world here, and sure. if the film wanted to delve into it, it could, but it's choosing not to. But yeah. I mean, it's you know it's here or there as far as how to appreciate it more than one other or whatnot but it's like i i guess i just i i was because i was into cat's journey 
mm-hmm. and felt for it as far as what she's going through. Mm-hmm. I guess that that was able to help me dismiss like not getting necessarily more from some others that sure were interesting, but that didn't necessarily need feel like required to me. Yeah. And that's kind of where I fall too, which is like, it's not actually required, but because you put it in here, I wish that there was a, maybe a little bit more of it. Like, mm-hmm. um, like even the Siobhan character to some degree too, which I think is hilarious. Um, like she and those other two people, like her friends mm-hmm. are just, like, they're so goofy. Like it, it actually adds more to it. And I guess more specifically the scene I'm thinking about in terms of the goofiness before I get into like the, the other part about it. The goofiness is like when they find out that you know their principal is back, and you just see them like parading around their classroom and like mm-hmm. doing like backflips or whatever the case is. Like it's so like offbeat, um, and it it's such a it's such a uh you know those those three little um those three little rugrats from the Nightmare Before Christmas, um that help out Oogie Boogie, clock like, and barrel. Yeah, exactly. Locks like a barrel. Like it gives me like those kind of vibes. Which like you guys are so weird, but I, you guys are so lovable too. Um, but the the uh, the element of Siobhan that we're talking about with, you know, uh, like the the giant artwork piece on the rooftops is that there is like this prison reform discussion, um, and it's kind of like this this um. It's told very very matter of factly, but I also was thinking to myself, oh well. Did you need Siobhan to be the person that carried this through, uh, or could it have gone a different route? And Siobhan is is less involved, which would not have been my favorite, but it also would have maybe tightened the story a little bit. So, again, not a huge criticism because it is what it is, and it's also, um, to some degree, like a children's movie or a, a YA movie. But you know, like things like that were just what detracted me from giving it uh, a higher rating did you like how upfront it was with certain things i mean you have one character who is a overweight business mogul with a blonde bad comb over uh, i didn't even notice that actually <laughs> i honestly didn't because i was thinking like how does siobhan get blonde hair and then i was like oh her bro- both her parents have blonde hair which revealed later it's like oh but now you're thinking now that i'm thinking about it, i was like oh interesting huh. good one good one i guess yeah uh, what do we? What, yeah, what did you? I guess you picked up on it, so you you must have been uh, amused by it. I yes, I was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the only thing they could have done is the voice to really add to it. But I mean, they, they, they I don't. It's not making many illusions about like what the bad is and the kinds of people that are that have power um, that it needs that it wants to reckon with. I. Mm-hmm. I again, it's just stuff where like I wasn't necessarily expecting that from the movie because the movies advertise it's like something about you know demons and it's like oh there's also like other things happening in mm-hmm. this town and the lengths that people are going to you know make themselves prosper. Um, I just I, I mean it's interesting to watch a movie delve into that. Yeah, for another movie, I suppose, but yeah, I I dig that there's larger themes at play here, including ones of again like I mentioned forgiveness. Um, of the self uh, and there's also themes of just what happens to towns when when they're not prosperous and also uh, like single parenting and trying to get that that was actually a very effective scene that I liked the one with the lawyer um, mm-hmm. trying to make some dinner um, it's like yeah these are these are uh, interesting elements that make this movie worth watching uh, for sure 
Um, I also want to point out the music in this movie, which I think is pretty great. Um, uh-huh. It's very a bass. Af- a lot of bass. A lot. It's very Afro punk inspired uh, soundtrack, which I appreciate quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I just thought it just gave it again a unique flavor that reflected both the characters we're seeing and just the different sort of vibe it has. And I, I'm never, <laughs> I, I'm not going to refuse a, a TV on the radio drop at like uh-huh. the, at a great moment where I was just like, this is not a band that I expect to hear in a movie like this. And great, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy. Uh, for this to happen mm-hmm. uh, but yeah there's just a, i i enjoyed the sound of this film quite a bit yeah it's a good sounding film for sure um a question for you mm-hmm. so for the sister healy character did you were you curious around like what she and another i don't know is he another teacher in this movie or is he just like a resident of the house i guess he's just a resident i believe he's like a like a super, like a janitor. Kind oh, of, oh, that's right. Like yeah, a maintenance right. kind of, like you know, a handyman essentially. I think that's yeah, generally his 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 thing. That's here. a good point. Yeah, because he's like he's um he's um polishing the floor when he when he comes into one of the classrooms. You're right. Yeah. Um. So for their for their uh background story arc, did you did you want more of that, or were you curious around like what that was all about? Um. It's the kind of thing where, like, I'd I'd welcome to have more of what their deal is, mm-hmm. um, but I I felt I got a, a sufficient amount of information regarding who they, you know, what their, of course, what they what their what their um responsibility is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other question I had for you, which you might not be able to answer, but I'm curious if you read anything anywhere or, or have some insider knowledge, is um, when this movie is over, like when when the 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 movie itself, not like with the credits, uh-huh. when the the picture. When the story is concluded, the credits do not go into do you want to watch something else right away? And I don't know if you know if there was anything to that because the credits are fun and there's also like a, a nice like little gag at the end there, which at that point my screen did move into a different thing altogether, which I, I they, they made me miss the punchline of something that I had to rewind it and watch it again. <laughs> okay. But I'm curious if you know if they... Um, if they were just like deliberately letting us watch the credits or as Netflix as a whole, just like you can watch credits now. I mean, that is a function you can turn off in the settings for Netflix. Um, I did not know this. Yeah. You can do that. It, so it could stop like recommending something to you 10 uh-huh. seconds after you finish a movie. Less than that. Um, I will say I, <laughs> I don't know because I got a, so with press net there's oh, okay. a, there is a there's a special netflix uh menu uh uh-huh. that that press get that it's called preview content where when uh-huh. i get early things it just adds a different column that not everyone has yeah um so it i think the settings on those are different than average okay. um so i i honestly i just don't know um yeah. as far i mean the fact that there is stuff happening throughout the credits i think it makes it seem as though it's just programmed. What I was wondering too. I'd yeah. assume it's programmed to understand that there's stuff that people don't want to, they don't want people to miss. So it's not going to activate at that point. It's only right. act, it generally, in general, it's only supposed to activate when like the movie's actually ended. Like they would like, they, there's no more, there's going to be nothing but like, you know, written credits out. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess that would make sense, but they still a, ruined like, the little gag for me at the end there. Well, I mean, that sucks. I get that. Yeah. That's that's not. So helpful. I was like, oh, this is like it, it wasn't like just like oh, here's like you know, I don't even know some actor, whatever actor in like this movie. It was actually like a scary face, and I was like, is this a is this part of the joke? But uh-huh. it, it wasn't, <laughs> um, because all the joke is is just you know, oh, who's behind that little mirror, and and then she runs away and squeaks. Cat mm-hmm. uh, does. 
but I was like, you guys ruined it for me. Like the best like part of it. So it's fine, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Is unfortunately what I have to say. I know like, like what Disney does, Disney plus does like skip credits. So you can get to the end credit scenes on certain movies. Like, they uh, do that i had no idea i yeah i, I watch all the credits that's why if, if you i mean if you watch like whatever avengers and you get to the credits after like the oh i guess after, if you're after, watching like on the fourth repeat yeah well regardless it's just that's what it does on when you watch those movies like you, yeah. you get you get through the uh, the mid credits and then it gives you a skip credits option sure. you, get, you can just jump to the end and you know see whatever you're telling me you don't want to listen to the score guys come on listen to the score um the other the other thing about credits is um Whenever I'm watching The Simpsons on Disney Plus, never ask me to skip the intro. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will never skip the intro to The Simpsons. Are you kidding me? Come on, give me that Danny Elfman score and the couch gag. Um, who would skip the couch watch... gag? <laughs> What's up? Who would skip the couch gag? It would just show you the couch gag and then get into the episode. I was, I was like, who would skip that? That's ridiculous. oh, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> only monsters would. That's the answer. But, Getting back to one of wild, do you do you think that this would continue? Like, I don't know if this is based off any sort of particular. I guess it's based off a, a, a maybe a short story. Well, of, it's it's um, a it's a story that Selick and Chap, but they were working on. I don't know if they were planning to like publish it, but it was certainly like something they were tooling around with before it got written. Like he and Peel kind of rewrote right. and reimagined. I guess the the initial concept that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as more, I mean, I'll put it this way: there's not sequels to Coraline or Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a good point. I, I, I don't see, I don't see Selick as one that's like I need to tell more of the same story. I, I see him more as a guy that likes to move on to new stories. So yeah, and I think that my question is sort of also implying: does Netflix own this property? Because it's called Wendell and Wild. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. Would I if the if the question is would I welcome more Wendell and Wild in yes. other features, whether it's a sequel specifically or just a movie set in the same universe? Sure, why not? I don't know okay. if I see more Wendell and Wild. Yeah, would would you? Um, I think I would be curious to see the second one. This is almost back to like a discussion of sequels. Of well, I guess I see. One, I want to see where they go, but if the second one isn't great, I hope they don't continue. Um, but you know, the Netflix machine is such a weird beast because they will. They will sometimes reverse course on what people like and reverse course on what people don't like. So yeah, but I mean, opposite. some of that comes down to like it's not hard, you know, it's not necessarily hard for them to make multiple entries in some like random teen comedy where they can shoot it all at the same time and for yeah. And I was also teen. thinking like this as like a sort of like a a serialized thing, like a cartoonish type thing. I was like, I can Perhaps. see them doing that too. Yeah, but like this is the thing that for one thing, it came to Netflix eventually. It, it, was, okay. it, it didn't start as a Netflix thing. And it takes Henry's. It's been since 2009 since Coraline came out. Henry Selleck is. Uh, no, I'm not saying Henry Selleck would actually run the ship. I think he'd be off the project. Like, I agree with you that he would do something else. All, all the more reason why says, like, between, between him and Peel producing, I, I don't I don't think they would. I don't think Netflix would be like, we're taking this and putting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's from, okay. you know, it's it's a monkey paw production with Keel's group. It's you yeah. know, Henry Selig involved as a producer as well. It's like it's theirs. And Netflix is just a distributor in that capacity. Got it. Um, yeah. But all the other thing I was saying is these movies aren't, you know, you can't just churn out these kind of movies. <laughs> like these are not the ones that are easy to make. Well, I I think of something like Kung Fu Panda, where the movies are the movies, and all of a sudden they decide to serialize it. Well, that's the DreamWorks. Every almost every DreamWorks property has its own cartoon show to go with it. Boss Baby, that Shrek, 
uh how to train your dragon like all of yeah. all, like that the bad guys will probably get something eventually i, do, I would assume oh yeah did um, that just come out this year yeah yeah it came out yeah. in april it's on dvd blu-ray now right. um and it's quite good um it is. I, but like that that's been that's been dreamworks thing like that's yeah. that is not new to them they they know what their secondary market is Got as it. far as this stuff goes well, you answered the question of it's not a Netflix property. Mm-hmm. It just was distributed by. So I could see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I know. No. And it, I mean, it's just too like if its own thing for me to be like, oh, yeah, we can definitely franchise this out <laughs> to like mm-hmm. the nth degree in the same way that you they've done with like with the other with the, with, you know, like that DreamWorks has done with like Shrek as the key example right. in that regard. That said, that new Kung Fu, they're like, cause there's a new Kung Fu Panda show that has Jack Black voicing Poe again. I, I've watched the first episode. So wow. Yeah. Good job, Jack yeah. Black. Getting that paycheck. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fun to, it, it's I mean, fun to movie. hear, it's good, it's fun to hear him as Poe. So I, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but it's like, oh, yeah. this is nice. It's nice that he's like in the thing. <laughs> like that, that right. Works. Yeah. Do you remember like when we were kids and you can listen to differences in, in voices and you're like, that's not the same guy. They got, they got to get really close, but that's not the same guy. So, well, yeah, because you want everybody to watch the Aladdin cartoon series, which has Dan Castellanella as the genie. And it's like, this is weird. <laughs> but but it, then it goes on for four Homer seasons. Homer himself. Then it goes on for four seasons. You're like, well, I mean, they made a good show. Like, you can't complain. Is it a good show? Okay. The Aladdin show, I recall it. I mean, I think there's a reason why there's four seasons of the Aladdin show and no seasons of like whatever, the Tunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> the well, you can only show. burn down Notre Dame only <laughs> once, Aaron. <laughs> The natural TV show extension that that would have. Yeah, what are they going to do? Like, go ruin more cathedrals? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aladdin catered itself to, you know, you know to make an adventure series of Aladdin and them flying sure. around, genies doing stuff. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to go to bat and say, like, definitely an amazing animated series, but, I mean, it was on. Like, people did not not like it. Sure. It's so. a fair point. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Any other thoughts on Wendell and Wild? Um... Did you, Again, did, you, like, did, you, did you did you find the um uh-huh. the, the did you see like a, a creepiness in the end? Did you appreciate that trying to incorporate like you know this there's stuff involving the undead and what have you? Did you like the amount of creepiness terror that it tried to bring for a movie like yeah. this? It's a good question. If anything, I I would have appreciated more sure. of it. Um, you know, you, you and I would love like uh we've seen Paranorman, um. And we've seen how "quote unquote" mean that witch can be, but then it's actually even meaner and crueler when you find out the backstory, right? Um, and that goes into some really dark places. Um, or even we just talked about Kubo, um, or you know, Coraline to some degree, right? Um, yeah. So I, if anything, I would have appreciated more of it. But I like that they did go through um, the underworld, and they they kind of paint this picture, this ghastly picture of like what people go through in the underworld, which I thought I found very entertaining because there are all these like spirits and sprites and then they still get killed, uh, even though they're on this amusement park, which I think was was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But how did you take the 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 darkness of this movie? Uh I mean I appreciated that it had darkness. I you know, I'm not looking to be terrified by a movie like this, but I the way it envisions um, kind of demonic spirits and what have you. It's like I, I like that there's a it tries to have this kind of playfulness to it. Um, mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, lighting up the green eyes and implying certain things. Like there's there's a yeah, no, I, I like what it's doing. I like I like what it was how it was making use of the underworld and things like that. 
Yeah. No, but right. I was gonna say, like, mm-hmm. I think the the last thing I I just again want to mention is there's really cool uses of the way that they dynamically show different kind of like art styles for the these characters. Um, and I'm more specifically talking about Wendell and Wild, mm-hmm. but this is again just an, a a second appreciation of what we can do now, because Wendell and Wild are seen as yes, yeah, uh, you mentioned their their King Peel counterparts, but there's also a sequence where it's just they have like longer necks and they're, they look actually flatter, like folded paper. Um, and they're talking to, uh, to cat. Um, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, this is, it's cool that you explore different styles of how they can look in the same movie, which, um, you don't really see a whole lot of experimentation sometimes. Uh, but animation again, kind of changes the game to some degree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> Net- Wendell and Wild is currently playing is currently streaming on Netflix. When should people see this movie? Yeah, I'd have to because it's already on Netflix. I have to go to our old skill, and I would say that our old skill. I would say that this would be a streaming movie, which again it already is. Fair enough. I uh, <laughs> I get I get the runaround logic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I I do like this movie quite a bit. If I could have seen it in a theater, I think I would have been pretty happy with that. Um, I, it's full the pre- theater or dollar theater? It's the full theater. I, I really yeah. like this movie. I, I think the, I, you know, getting to see this kind of animation on that scale, I think would be pretty interesting. Um, yes, yeah. In the same way that, you know, all the Leica films that we appreciate uh, have that going for it. So it, it's, it's full of this, it's full of a quality that I, just don't get very often when it comes to these kinds of movies. And so I, 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 I was very happy to watch it. I, I look forward to seeing it again at some point. Yeah. Sorry. Just to clarify again, um, this was in production pre did they, were they going to distribute it in theaters and then just it, the pandemic fell through or no, it, it like it, it was, they came, they came, it was, it's been in production for a while because Henry uh-huh. Selleck takes forever on his things, came, mm-hmm. Peel got involved, it was being worked on, it didn't have a distributor until later, but it became Netflix, so like, I, I imagine it was just like a, like a bidding war or something okay. between okay. studios and Netflix yeah, just yeah. eventually got it. Um, yeah. It did get delayed, I know, as far as production is concerned because of COVID, um, that did, that did um, move it back, sure. um, but yes, I mean, it's it's the same Netflix thing as far as, you know, some theaters was at film festivals, but the main, the main distribution platter was always going to be Netflix yeah. for the movie. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, we, we've talked about Wendell and wild. Um, we do have a bit more out now feedback for this. Week. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Um, this is where we go over there. It's questions and answers on our Facebook page. Podcast. We have some questions to the listeners. They give us some answers. So Abe, why don't you start this one off? First question here is what is the scariest animated films what are the scariest animated films luke white thompson friend of the show writes fears of the dark chris says while going on a childhood trauma watership down otherwise wicked city or enemy mad god um tony writes when the wind blows philip has perfect blue and christopher hill writes i'm with philip on perfect blue some additions ninja scroll akira x and paranorman scariest animated films you know if i had to think of like a frame (laughs) that was Uh like really scary to me it'd probably be the like when you see like certain shots of the wicked witch in snow white like i think there's some legit creepy stuff going on and like Uh how that's depicted yeah um but as far as like a scary animated film goes um 
I mean, it was mad. God was pointed out, and that movie is very disturbing in the stuff that it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that probably more than most when it comes to like animated movies probably did the trick for me as far as scaring me. Perfect Blue is a pretty good choice. It's not like yeah. a, it's like a, it's more of a psychological thriller than like a horror movie, but it certainly has really disturbing stuff going on as far as what, right. they, what actions are taking place in that movie. Yeah. Um, so we wrote down Akira, Christopher wrote down Akira. I would, I would also echo that. And, you know, to your point, it, it's not so much that it's a horror movie, but it does get into like body horror. And there's also like weird themes. And I've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, when I watched it, I was very young. And so thinking about like a Neo Tokyo and how the world kind of like goes to shit. That, those are scary things for like, you know, a nine-year-old to com- to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like a really like eerie score at times too with people chanting and them playing drums. So uh, Akira is a good call. Yeah. Like uh, I'm trying to think of like legit, like, cause there's like, scary, too. there's like, yeah. there's like stuff that's scary. Like, you know, like I'm trying to think of like, like one that's like, just like, Oh, it, I, I would, I would never tell children to watch this cause it's actually yeah. not a children's movie. Cause like stuff that like, like spirited away has frightening images, I would say, but it's not a horror movie by any means. Right. Um, Watership down certainly has like disturbing images, but it's not like, mm-hmm. it's like a horror movie. Um, Like, I'd, yeah, I can argue for sequences in these films, but like, it's terms of like right. a movie that's like, just like legit scary and animated movie. Yeah. Like I know they exist like as far as that's the intention, something like red, like the animated resident evil movies or like some of the, the, like there's a dead space animated film. Like there's stuff that like it operates within that genre, but I can't say right. that I was necessarily scared by them. Yeah. And, and I, I can only think of like sequences in which something is like fairly terrifying. I mean, the good call out that you made was snow one, seven dwarfs where something like that, where, like even in like the movie that I thought about when we when this question was posted and even when I was reading it was All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um uh-huh. and that's not even like a scary movie, but the the interpretations of like what happens like with hell and all that stuff, that used to scare me as a kid. Um which is like not even like a large part of that movie, but it it you know, it's like a lot of like Charlie asking to be helped and saved and like it's just dark. Um, but that's not like a scary movie, you know what I mean? Like it's a scary sequence. Or a frightening sequence, but it's not scary as a as a whole. So, I don't know. Good question. Yeah. All right. Well, the next question we have: What? Are, who are some great cinematic demons? Philip writes: If by great you mean horrifying nightmare fuel, the pale man <laughs> in the Pan's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Nippon writes: Pinhead. Oh, Pinhead. Um, great cinematic demons. I mean, it's got to be Howie Mandel and Little Monsters, <laughs> right? He turns into clothes. <laughs> the most terrifying thing a demon yeah. can do. <laughs> he loses a help Fred Savage. Um yeah. Um yeah. Uh what other demons <laughs> in movies? Yeah, I'm thinking like this is sort of the same related to the other questions. Like there's not like a, a movie com- devoted to demons, but I can certainly think of like Oh, there are plenty there. I mean, there's literally a series of movies called Demons. <laughs> um, demon Hunter. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, I mean, Jason Lee plays a demon in Dogma. He's got that going for him. He does have that going. The for Hellboy him. movies have demons in them. Oh, um, I was thinking of like. Oh, oh, I was thinking of of animated demons. I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah, not animated. Just demons and movies. Oh, yeah. just demons and movies. Yeah, plenty, yeah. yeah. Oh, plenty there's movies. plenty of demon movies. Then. Yeah. yeah, of course. Okay. Fallen. We kind of like Fallen quite a bit. It's got a demon. It's got a Zazel. 
which is the name of Jason Lee's character in Dogma. Boom. <laughs> Whoa, did you just connect something? Yeah, it's a shared universe. The, the Evil Dead series is basically and wait, demons coming Jason after Ash. Lee is yeah. also in another movie with Will Smith. Enemy of the plays... State with Will Smith. Exactly. So that means that the devil is the one that stole the computer disc, and the devil is the enemy of the state. We did it. There. <laughs> 1600 Pennsylvania Lane, the White yeah. House. All connects. <laughs> the next clue is in the White House. <laughs> After um, I come to Bang Bang. Um, oh, I just had something in my mind. Oh, that, that, no, just, just a side tangent on Jason Lee and Enemy of the State. That bike crash that he gets into. Not great. It, look, it's like the most like horrific looking bike crash I could ever think of. <laughs> Whenever I think of like someone crashing on a bicycle, I think of Jason Lee's death scene in Enemy of the State. Yeah. Cause it's all like, like the music's all like hopeful at that point too. Like it's all like he's like, oh, he's getting away, he's gonna escape and everything, and he like rides over in a fucking like what a, a fire truck. Like it's like a, yeah, it's a huge engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh You're man, just like oh no, oh no. And I know Poor Will Jason. Smith has a more dramatic reaction to that, but I think of it more as like him reacting to the noisy cricket or not the the, the, the um like the ball in Men in Black when he's like ah. Oh, 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 that one. Yeah. When the ball's like being flung around the room and destroying right. everything. Yeah. He's going to pay for that. And it cuts to him like, ah, damn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we just connected to this like Jason Lee universe. So, yeah, the Leaverse. The Leaverse. Yeah. <laughs> Is he, are they making like a, a another um, Mallrats type movie or? No, that's a fun question. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no, okay. but like years ago, among the things Kevin Smith was trying to do, he had a Mallrats. Yeah, he has a Mallrats script, and it was gonna be a movie. Then it was gonna be a TV show. He got everybody involved on social media. He was having everybody wow. like hold up a you know a two you know a piece two sign into uh-huh. a, like a selfie shot with him, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, um, okay, I. I will say this, Lionsgate and him are pretty cool teams together. So I don't know if he needs to get the right to distribute his they, more his they've distributed movie. his most his, all yeah. of his recent movies. Okay. Um I don't know if he has like the mall rats rights from, from Universal, but um we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I, malls I are dead now, so I guess he'd have to be a it'd have to be like a strip mall. I mean that I think that was very much part of the plot of the movie, yeah. the fact that malls don't really exist at this point. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, I'm also not clamoring for a Mallrats too. But that's me. But um, I hear what you're saying. I mean, the first one's like pretty iconic and has like great dialogue. So it, it, it was like during his uh, his heyday. It, I like the commentary for Mallrats more than Mallrats. But, um, oh, interesting. I haven't heard it. But... It has a hilarious commentary. With Who's Mallrats. on it? Everybody. <laughs> like, wow. It, it, this like... is like back when commentaries like fairly new. So like everybody's on them. Yeah, it's him, Scott Mosier's producer, Lee Affleck, who's generally the funniest thing in any commentary with Kevin Smith. And in general, he's a very funny person. Uh, the Dogma commentary is similar in that regard. Okay. Um, Jason Mewes, of course. Um, anybody else that's tangentially involved in the US universe. It's a it's a big commentary. But it's nice. it's very I I I don't listen to commentaries more than once very often. That one I've probably seen I can't say more than Mallrats because it's a commentary for Mallrats, but I've seen yeah. it. For, I, it's rare that I just watch Mallrats to watch the movie Mallrats. I yeah. really put the commentary on it. My, my uh, only aside is that um, 
or related tangentially related is that for commentaries i i, I think you and i agree that we both love director commentaries or oh, commentaries yeah. in general i'm a huge fan of commentaries <laughs> yeah but uh i most recently listened to james cameron and one of his producers um talking about terminator 2 oh yeah <laughs> what i dug about it was like i didn't even watch the movie i just it just played in my head uh-huh. as i was listening to them i was like i've seen the movie enough times to know like what scene they're talking about or where we are in this movie and it was really fun to just like listen to them talk about it. And like, oh, that is a, that is a pretty cool tidbit that they uh, they actually blew up a building in Fremont. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he he has great. I wish he had one for Avatar. Like he he's very upfront about things. His aliens commentary track is very good too because he'll talk about like, yeah, we fired some of the production because they're just being dicks to us. Like it's just <laughs> he's, he doesn't mince a words. lot of a lot of insight. <laughs> he doesn't mince words as far as I forget if Titanic has a commentary on it. Does it? That's a curious question that I, I want. I still haven't seen that movie in full. I feel bad. You never seen Titanic in full? I told you I watched U.S. Marshals instead. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when it gets re-released for the 30th anniversary, I will go see it. <laughs> I mean, it probably will. Yeah. It's only like five years from now. Uh, all right. Well, w- w- that was feedback, I guess. <laughs> feedback, feedback. Um, that's going to do it for this this bonus episode of Out Now. If you can find more of my work, I'm a first of all, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also at We Live Entertainment and Why So Blue. Abe? Find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag Gabby Goat. <laughs> fun character. Yeah. Uh, you can find all the other stuff we do on iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, We're all us, over the place. Yeah, you can follow us on all the socials and all of that. Um, yeah. That, We're that. distributed by by networks, podcasting networks that we're not even aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Google this, I'm like, wow, I didn't know that we were on uh, this, this uh, podcast network. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with all that said, that's going to do it for this bonus episode. Until next time, so long. And goodbye. Just say-